Welcome to another episode of Built on Passion. I'm Drew, and today we're talking to Lindsay McCoy, founder and CEO of Plain Products. Today we talk about sustainability and how they're applying a circular product life cycle to reduce plastic waste in the personal care industry. Hey, Lindsay, thanks for hopping on with me today. Hi, Drew. It's great to be here. Awesome. Tell me a little bit more about Plain Products. Yes. So Plain Products, we are on a mission to help eliminate single-use plastic. And we do that by offering personal care products, shampoo, conditioners, lotions, facial stuff in aluminum bottles. And then once the bottles have been used, we take them back and we wash and refill and reuse them. So no waste. Oh, that's awesome. What led you to getting started with that sort of company? So I actually was kind of reflecting on this the other day. It's funny, when I was in college, I wanted to do good in the world. And that meant not going into business back when I was in college in the, in the 90s. You know, you're, you had to do something else to do good. So I, was, I decided to go into nonprofits. So I spent 20 years working in the nonprofit sector. And the last 10 of those was actually in the Bahamas. My husband's from the Bahamas, gorgeous string of islands off the coast of Florida. And, you know, small animation, you see the consequences of single-use plastic in a way that you don't other places. Like you would actually, you know, see it on the beaches, on the side of the road. And then because I was doing environmental education, I would end up at at landfills or in beach cleanups. And and again, just seeing these (laughs) pounds of plastic. And around the same time I heard 2015, scientists were saying there was going to be more plastic than fish in the ocean by 2050. Which sounded crazy, seeing all of this stuff. And I was like, oh, plastic does not go away. It's just piling up and piling up and piling up. And, you know, I started trying to use less in my life. A lot of things we're all doing, carrying the reusable water bottles, reusable mugs, reusable bags. But I couldn't find a solution for all the plastic in my shower. And they honestly just started to irritate me. (laughs) I was looking Mm -hmm. at them all, knowing I was just going to throw them away and they were going to add to that pile. So 2016, we decided to move back to the States and I called my sister and asked her if she wanted to help me try and figure out a solution. That's amazing. I think it's it's, it's kind of interesting too, because I, I grew up on the East Coast and, you know, going to the beaches on the East Coast, at least while growing up, plastic was never really an issue. You never really saw it. It didn't seem to be a problem. And so it's kind of easy to ignore something like that when you just don't see it as a problem. But when you do see it, like, and, and you know, as I've, I've been to Costa Rica and other places where it is like a real problem, it's like much more eye-opening to how that can be. Oh, certainly out of sight, out of mind. And we have the infrastructure here in the U.S. to make things disappear. I mean, there's a lot of problems that other people work very hard to make sure we don't see. So it does sometimes kind of take going somewhere else to see it. And then, and then certainly we're also, you know, unfortunately contributing to those problems in other countries. Yeah, for sure. So you and your sister got together and what happened next? (laughs) Well, there was a lot of learning. So, I mean, you know, my background in the nonprofit world strangely did not, you know, help set up a personal care company, although it was useful for other things. My sister um, did have some experience with shipping and receiving. So, I mean, we really just spent a year and a half learning. And it was a complete shock to me how many chemicals were in your average shampoo, conditioner, body wash, body lotion. So that uh, was mm-hmm. something I also got involved in is, you know, learning more about clean ingredients and plant-based ingredients. So it didn't make sense to do this environmentally friendly package and then shove a bunch of chemicals <laughs> in it. So, yeah. you know, we 
spent a lot of time to find the right manufacturer who not only made a great product made with great ingredients, but then also was willing to let us, you know, wash bottles and, and bring them back into their manufacturing site. So we had the idea in 2015, I think it was 2017 that we finally launched with a website. Okay, cool. Yeah, I actually, I recently just moved and my shower is a little bit smaller now. And I have like one of those shower hanging things that like hangs over the thing and you put your, um, your, your shampoo and stuff on there. And now it's at eye level and I've been looking at the shampoos that are there and I'm looking at the ingredients oh. and I'm like, this doesn't seem like something that I really want to use. Like it's, you look at the ingredients list and it's nuts. I hate to tell you, but it, it's not. I mean, you certainly don't need to buy our shampoo or I'm happy to send you some to try out, but upgrade, you know, I read something once about organic food and they were like, you know, instead of wondering why organic food is so expensive, maybe wonder why all the other stuff is so cheap. And that was the lesson mm-hmm. I learned about personal care. I mean, there's a reason why some shampoo is $4 for a giant bottle. And that's because it's water and a whole lot of chemicals in a very cheap plastic bottle, which is, you know, yep. not great. Yeah. It's probably, probably not good for you. And also obviously not great for the environment. Yes. Okay. So, so you guys, you looked at the ingredients, you looked at the packaging. How did you develop your first set of products and start actually producing them? Well, as I said, we were very lucky to find a manufacturer who worked with us. I mean, again, no background in chemistry or personal care. So we really relied on their expertise for R&D and all the certifications and FDA approval and all of that, which was a huge relief because on the other hand, figuring out how to set up a system to reuse bottles was something nobody was doing all the time. So that's where most of our energy went into of like coming up with how is this going to work? How is it going to be convenient? How is it not going to be irritating? What's going to make people do this? And so we came up with this process of sending a bottle in a pump. And then when you're running low, ordering a refill bottle. The refill bottle shows up along with the return label. Switch the pump over whenever you know the first bottle runs out. And then the empty bottle comes back to us in that same box the refill showed in. Just stick the return label on the outside and uh, the postal service will pick it up for free and bring it back to us. And then we wash them and we have a, a bottle washer that looks a lot like a you know what a restaurant would have. And we throw them in there and wash them and then reuse them. That's awesome. Have you had any kind of issues with that process? Oh, I mean, again, huge learning curve. Nobody else was doing yeah. it. No, I mean, I cannot tell you how many times like we had bubbles explode everywhere because like, you know, there was too much shampoo still in the bottle or we had too many shampoo bottles and not enough conditioner. And I mean, yes, lots of learning. You know, there was a time when we wanted to upgrade to a bigger bottle washer. And so then the bottles were just stacking up, waiting to get it with supply chains. So we had a giant wall of bottles waiting for it. So yeah, I mean, you know, anytime you're doing something for the first time, now there are some other companies that are starting to do it and people that we can talk to, but we were just literally, you know, clipboard, like, let's try it this way and see how it works. Let's try, you know, like basic science experiment of different levels of, of soap and different levels of disinfectant and, and trying to figure out what worked best. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that, it, I mean, obviously adds a, a large complexity to, the entire like fulfillment portion of your business. Cause one you're receiving so much like handling lots of returns. Right. And then two, now you have to process the, those bottles to actually make sure they're clean and then refill them and put them back into the, you know, the normal cycle, which is what everyone else has to do. But the other part is completely different. Yeah, certainly, you know, it is almost a whole other business. 
that that whole portion. And you know, as I said, thank thank goodness for our manufacturer because that is really we're honestly in so many ways more of a distributor and a bottle washer than we are anything else. But happily, it's also not rocket science. I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. we know how to clean things. <laughs> That's great. So, have you guys considered like licensing the process of like you could offer a reusable product in um, reusable packaging and we could handle the, you know, processing of that for you? Certainly. I mean, we've, yeah, we've definitely had conversations with other brands. You know, it's a big thing to take on switching your packaging. So, you know, the Mm -hmm. conversations have gone further with newer brands, you know, just because they're still exploring their packaging options and and can get, you know, set up from the get-go. You know, there also just has to be an appetite for it. We went into personal care, both because it's something that people use every day, but also there was the ability to charge a little bit more for personal care to cover the cost of, of the taking back and the washing and refilling because we had to build that in. So, you know, there needs to be a good fit. The goal, the dream someday is that, you know, there are washing centers around the country. And so that extra shipping cost, you know, is gone, which is the biggest part of it right now. And, and this becomes super cost effective, but unfortunately we're, we're not quite there yet. Yeah. I also like the transparency that you have here with this. Cause like, for example, Nespresso, uh, I think solved some of the problems of Keurig because right. Like they Keurig creates a lot of waste and then with Nespresso, you use it, you send it back, but I don't actually know what they do with it when they're done with it. Um, maybe they recycle it. Maybe they reuse it. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, maybe you do because you've probably done a lot of research here, but I like, I like the idea of being able to like feel like you're in control of that. I, yeah. I mean, I think people, one of the reasons I think that the Nespresso was popular is because people enjoy participating and feeling like they're doing something good. It's a much more satisfactory feeling than just chucking it in the trash can and, you know, hoping for the best. But yeah, I mean, we really pride ourselves on transparency. I mean, we, you'll occasionally see things on our social, you know, like here we are at the warehouse, here's the bottles coming in here, you know, we're washing them because Unfortunately, you know, greenwashing is is real and there's a lot of large companies that are throwing around a lot of sustainability words because they sell things. Yep. I, I agree with that. I actually I would like I'd be interested in your take given your background in nonprofits and also obviously having a, a sustainable business right now. I imagine you've heard about the Patagonia changes where they are giving the company to the earth and Yvonne Chouinard, I, he, had, he had a lot of, you know, good will there i've always wondered and you kind of alluded to this earlier you're like if you want to do good for the planet don't start a company <laughs> it's like did like if you're selling millions of jackets or whatever like are you actually helping the planet or not but i'd be interested to hear your thought on that well i certainly will say that you know obviously my perspective changed 20 years of nonprofits was great but i do feel like now there is a place for business at the table to do good as long as you're not selling excess stuff, you know, people are going to buy jackets. So I think it's great Mm -hmm. for Patagonia to offer a jacket. I love that they started their take back and repair and resale aspect to it. You know, they're sourcing Mm -hmm. as responsibly as they can and, and creating a market for all of that. So, you know, I do feel like there is a way for business to be a force for good. Um, but certainly there are lots that are not and, you know, and that offer things incredibly cheaply. 
and tell you that it's going to be fine. And that, you know, it's not a level playing field. It's very hard to compete for companies like us with, you know, a $4 bottle of shampoo that's water and chemicals in a cheap plastic bottle. And the plastic's cheap, you know, because it's a byproduct of oil. So they can sell it for very cheap. They don't need to make much money off of it. So, you know, that's, that's, that's tough. So I do have great appreciation, you know, for what Patagonia brings. I, I will say I will, you know, I laughed a few years ago when they did take out the ad in the New York Times that was like, you know, we're skipping Facebook for a few months to boycott what they're doing. And I was like, well, that would be lovely if I could take out an ad in the New York Times to like say I'm not going to be on social media. So sometimes I'm like, well, yeah, but in general, you know, what an amazing thing to just step away from all of the profits of that company and give it to a nonprofit. I mean, that's setting the bar pretty high. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys have aluminum bottles. What led yeah. you to aluminum specifically? Honestly, we tried stainless steel because we thought it might hold up better and it rusted. Turns out that not okay. all stainless steel is stainless. And the kind of stainless steel that is stainless is incredibly expensive. So we just, you know, couldn't couldn't handle that price point. But aluminum is lighter, you know, does help with the shipping a little bit and is the easiest thing to recycle on the planet. So once our bottles have you know, gone round and round or get dented or whatever, we do recycle them. And, you know, the great news about aluminum is 100% recyclable infinitely, no quality loss. You know, I, I know you said you had Recycle Planet earlier. I'm not sure if you got into like, recycling's great, but unfortunately plastic can only usually be recycled once or twice before you have to throw it away anyway. So mm -hmm. the lovely thing about aluminum is never needs to get thrown away. Yeah, because I was kind of I was wondering about your packaging, and I was thinking like you know like Nalgene or something like that, like a thick plastic product could be a delivery vehicle for your your products as well. But it uh, obviously that might have a shorter life cycle than aluminum, and then that kind of defeats the purpose as well. Yeah, I mean that's what we were going for was just to try and you know create a system where as little as possible needed to end up in in the dump at the end of the day. Yeah, that's great. But, you know, obviously, the pots are still plastic. Nothing we can do about that right now, but we do encourage people to reuse them and switch them to the next bottle and the next, you know, until they can't go anymore. And then, then we take them back. But again, the beauty of plastic is it lasts a really long time. So, you know, I'm still going with yeah. all of my original pumps five years in. So, so that part, you know, can work. Yeah, exactly. And we, we kind of talked about that with the uh, Recycle Planet podcast a few weeks ago where he was like, there are no good recycled zippers. And I can't, I'm, I'm not going to put a bad zipper on my jacket. So it's like, I'm doing my best to make everything recycled that's on here, but I'm also not going to put out a bad product because of it. And it's like, you know, that, that's just a, a place for innovation that we're, you know, waiting on in the industry, really. Yeah. And I, you know, I'll say the same thing about pumps. We're waiting for somebody to figure out a reusable, take it apart, clean it, stick it back together, keep using it. And, and, and I think we'll get there. I mean, I do. It's, we're still very early on in this reuse circular industry. So with your um, efforts with kind of the, the circular use of your bottles, how has that affected your marketing and has it made it like difficult to convey or do you think that mostly people are pretty receptive to it? Yes. And, <laughs> you know, it is, it, it's our edge in marketing that we have a, a slightly different message. I mean, there are a ton of shampoo and conditioners. There's a ton of organic you know, natural shampoo and conditioners. So the fact that we're saying, hey, 
we're being responsible about our packaging. You can send it back. We'll make sure it gets reused was the one thing that kind of sets us apart and also really helped as we were getting started. The one part of my nonprofit background that was useful was partnerships. So I reached out to a ton of, you know, and this was really before influencers was a thing, but a a lot of bloggers who were in the nonprofit or the zero waste space and the clean beauty space and the vegan space and said, Hey, would you try this? Would you let us know what you think? Would you help us figure out how to explain it? Um, And people were very, very welcome and, you know, open and helped us give a ton of feedback. And, you know, again, not a marketing background. So I think we started like with the tagline, join the packaging revolution, and then realized that like nobody knew what that meant or cared. (laughs) So lots of learning. But yeah, but on the flip, you know, trying to explain this reuse model, like we didn't know what the key, there were no keywords. There was no like SEO for reuse when we were getting started. I mean, it's, it's coming along, but that piece and, and trying to explain to people a different way to consume certainly has made and continues to be a challenge of what's the right way to, you know, people are like, oh, I sent my bottle back. When do I get it back refilled? I'm like, no, you're supposed to get a refill first. You know, we're still mm-hmm. like, how do we say this better? How do we, you know, how do we explain it ongoing? Yeah, exactly. We've kind of focused pretty heavily on um, like shampoo and conditioner and all that, but you guys have a full line of products in skincare and, and everything. How, how's all that going? We do. We Thank you. I, I should do the better job of that. Thank you for doing my work for me. Yeah, we started with shampoo and conditioner and body wash and, you know, those continue to be our bestsellers, but we have continued to add products. So we do, we have a body lotion. We added a hair and body wash all in one product for those people who don't, you know, looking for simplicity, a full facial line, yep. face wash, face moisturizer, toner, hand sanitizer, which is coming very handy in the last few years. So yep, yeah, exactly. we're adding some, some more hair care products. So we just added a deep conditioner. We've got a hair repair, a beauty oil. So yeah, you know, our goal is, if you would prefer not to, you don't have to have any plastic bottles in your bathroom is, is where we're headed. I feel like some of those industries are probably harder for you because like, like for example, skincare is like a very, you know, marketing heavy, like image driven, like almost glamorous type image that people expect from a skincare company. And you guys are like, yeah, we do all the same stuff as everyone else, but all, actually our packaging is good. Right. So it's like, how do you stand out in that market? Or like, how do you even fit into that market in the first place? You know, I mean, I think the goal is to not try and be something we're not. So for people who are looking for skincare, that's going to make them look, you know, magically 20 years younger or make them feel like a Hollywood star or whatever, like we're probably not their company, but we have good quality products that are also good for you and the planet. So You know, I think it's about not trying to compete with the latest Kardashian skincare product and be there to be found by people who are looking for just a good, solid, you know, we'll take care of your skin, we'll we'll give you all the nutrients you need, and you don't have to throw it away at the end of the day. It's sort of our goal. I mean, we obviously don't have the marketing budget to like be out in front of sort of the larger ones. Our goal is more sort of like, if you're looking for something like this, we want to show up. We want you to be able to find us. Yeah, exactly. And I imagine that also probably helps with some of your um, like 
lifetime value of customers and stuff like that because they can come into your world with one product and then now there's a whole array of things that they can kind of, if they want to make that a priority in their life, now you can handle it all for them. That's certainly the goal. I mean, that's certainly the goal from a business perspective is that, you know, average order value go up over time, give people more things to choose from. We also have a subscription option. So again, you know, click it in. We just keep shipping you refills and hopefully you never have to worry about making any of those choices again. And, and that works great for some people, you know, for, for someone like me, I'm, I'm actually not a product person, which again is a funny thing to be saying as the CEO of the company, but I'm delighted to just have all of those choices made. You know, they're there waiting when I need to switch it over and I can feel good about it and spend my time doing other things. Has your subscription model made it easier or more difficult to handle like demand planning for like how much you need to manufacture? Subscription model has been a huge blessing. I mean, not only for demand planning, but just for a backbone of sales. It is so nice, especially as the market gets more and more crowded, to be able to, to rely on, you know, those renewals and know that they're coming. And then, you know, and it and it, it's growing, you know, it, it it was, you know, a quarter of the business and it was half of the business. Now it's 60 percent of the business, you know, so it keeps growing while you're and So that has been, you know, I big fan of the subscription model. It's been huge for us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things where it will be tremendously valuable to the business. But depending on supply chain issues, it's like it could be oh, terrible or it could be great. Certainly, right? it's like certainly when we run out of a subscription item, that that's a lot of extra work. So we will actually, you know, if we're running a low on something, we'll take it off the shop and we'll set it aside so that we can keep fulfilling subscriptions because that just helps helps the wheels in the warehouse just keep moving, you know, more smoothly. We do our absolute best to not run out of any <laughs> any subscription products because as you said, yeah, that's a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. So if you're listening and you want a <laughs> one of their products and you don't want it to disappear, get the subscription and then, you know. That is also, you know, yeah. It. Certainly we love people subscribing, so we do try to take good care of those people. Yeah, that's awesome. What would you say is like the best part of running your business? You know, as a nonprofit girl, the fact that, you know, we have a mission and when I get to talk to people like you, I can talk about the why and the how come and all of that and not just be shilling a product. Like it just brings me personal yeah. comfort and, and gives me, you know, I'm much more comfortable talking about all of those things than I am like encouraging people to buy stuff. So I really like that piece of it. I really enjoy getting to talk to you and, uh, and others about it. I enjoy a lot of the other sustainability companies have really cool founders and we stay in touch with each other. So I enjoy all of them. And it's, it's a very helpful <laughs> community. You know, we're, I think for most of us, we sort of see ourselves all in the same team. I mean, I actually was talking yesterday afternoon to somebody who sells shampoo bars. And in, you know, some worlds we would be competitors and we wouldn't talk to each other, but we're both like, I was like, yeah, if my product doesn't work for you. I recommend your stuff all the time. You know, everybody's hair is a little bit different. So we're just happy people are coming to our side of the street. Whatever we can do to bring people over here is great for all of us. So I really enjoy that, that piece of it, of not having to feel cutthroat or, you know, as we were talking earlier, yeah, I'll wash other people's bottles. 
that's great. I'm thrilled more people are using Reels. Yeah. I'm not trying to, you know, yank the rug out from anybody else who's trying to do this. I'm like, yeah, yeah. More people doing it. It makes us all, you know, lends credibility to the model. Um, and it's just a good thing for the planet. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of almost like bringing that back to like the Patagonia piece of like, if people who are doing, you know, manufacturing the right way and have a strong mission around sustainability can grow in the market and become the leaders in the market, then that's when the big change happens. Because now you're going to Target and you're getting an aluminum bottle instead of a plastic bottle. And that's how like, that's how society is going to change, right? It's like you need this brands that are innovating on sustainability to get yes. big. You need those brands that are innovating on sustainability to get big so that more customers know about them so that their expectations rise for everybody else. Because the only way large brands are going to do this stuff that's more expensive, that takes more time, is if customers demand it or the government, you know, if, if it is forced upon them for the most part. I yeah. mean, you know, so there's a reason why what Patagonia did is such huge news. It's because that's not what happens. People don't walk away from money. People don't voluntarily, you know, give that away. So certainly, you know, the more that people can vote with their dollar and help sustainable companies grow, hopefully, you know, the better good for all of us. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to just give you one more chance to kind of plug the company and tell everyone how to find you. Thank you. So it's Plain Products, P-L-A-I-N-E, which um, actually my sister and I started it together. As I mentioned, our shared maiden name was Della Plain. So that's how we came up with that, as well as sort of a, you know, awesome. a plain and simple way to, to wash bottles. But it's funny, we were trying to trademark it and they're like, you can't trademark Plain. And I was like, actually, it's my last name. And they were like, send me your driver's license. And I did. And they were like, oh, all right, I guess we have to give this to you. <laughs> so you yes. It is plainproducts.com with an E, and that's actually all our name on all the socials, at Plain Products on just about anywhere you, you want to look. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage everyone to check you guys out, and uh, I know I will be, I think. I'd rather look at uh, aluminum bottles than what's currently in my shower. So. Uh... Yes, yes, please. Even if it's not us, please upgrade. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Thanks, Lindsay, so much. Have a good day. Okay. Bye, Drew. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Built on Passion podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are still listening right now, you need to leave a review. Like seriously, if you are committed enough to listen to the outro, then you must be a fan and we would love to hear your thoughts. Be sure to share this episode with a friend who's thinking about starting a passion project business. And as always, tune in next week for another episode.